everybody, it's Rich. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Access Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music, as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access, and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! Our kids were young. Stephanie and I used to take them camping quite a lot. And uh, I got it in my head that it would be really awesome if we were to camp our way across America, allow our kids to see how big this country really is and to see the Grand Canyon. And um, Stephanie was like, well, if we're gonna go see the Grand Canyon, then I want to take them to see Yellowstone. And I was like, honey, the distance between the Grand Canyon and Yellowstone is like driving from Jacksonville to Pittsburgh, which I don't know why I said that because I have never heard anyone say, let's go to Pittsburgh. But um, we're, so we make this decision that we're gonna, we're gonna go. And uh, she said, well, I wanna go see Yellowstone. And I said, well, if we're gonna go see Yellowstone, then I wanna take them all the way to the Pacific, you know, dip our toes in the Atlantic and then drive all the way to the Pacific, really experience how expansive our country is. This is how we fight in our house. We just bring more pain on everyone the further we go. So we start to map this out. There's an app called Road Trippers and we start to map out this trip and it comes in at 7,782 miles. And I said, babe, if we're gonna drive 8,000 miles in 20 days, that's 400 miles a day, I'm gonna need some help driving. She's like, oh yeah, I will absolutely help you drive. Don't worry about that. So I said, okay, great. I'll go get the RV, you start packing. So I go get the RV and then I back this into our driveway. And this is a 36 foot bus. And Stephanie walks out, she takes one look at it and she says, no. I am not driving that thing. And I'm like, you, you promised. <laughs> so today's uh, sermon is about breaking promises. Uh, no, it's not. I would get in so much trouble for that. Um, so, so she's like, no, I'm not driving that. You're on your own for that. So the next day after church, we set off on our epic adventure. And it was epic. We went to the Grand Tetons, to Yellowstone, to Lake Tahoe, to San Francisco, Big Sur, Hollywood, Zion, the Grand Canyon, Lake Powell. We even found ourselves standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. When a girl, my, in a flatbed, slowed down to, you guys are so good. That part didn't happen, but we did go to Winslow, Arizona and stand on the street corner. Anyway, it was an awesome trip. It was such a great time, but, but not everything on our family vacations goes as planned. I don't know if any of y'all can feel that pain, but sometimes things happen that we don't quite have planned. Now, 
today's story is about day nine of our trip. And the goal is to leave from Lake Tahoe and to drive to San Francisco and to make it in time for sunset over the Pacific, okay? And you might think, well, that's a pretty straight shot, Lake Tahoe to San Francisco. But of course, we wanna see everything we can see. So we decide we're gonna take a detour. You gotta cross over the Sierra Nevadas and we decide we're gonna take the Tioga Pass and go through Yosemite and um, we'll see Yosemite on our way to San Francisco. That was the plan. But then I get a text message from a buddy of mine who owns a ski lake in Stockton, California. And he says, hey, do you guys have time? You can swing by my house and you can grab a couple of ski sets on your way to San Francisco. So of course I'm like, okay, there's gotta be a shortcut through the Sierra Nevadas. And so we found this shortcut. This is Ebbets Pass. And uh, we see this sign as we're heading up Ebbets Pass. Ebbets Pass ahead, very steep, narrow, winding road, vehicles over 25 feet long, not advisable. Um, And you might remember that our bus was 36 feet long. It's about 45% differential. And, And just a suggestion, if you're watching today from California and y'all put these signs up, Um, You know, we were like, okay, I guess we can't go this way. We'll have to turn around and go over the Tioga Pass. There's no turnaround. There's no, this road is so narrow, there's not even a dividing line between the two lanes. And there's no turnaround. There's no pull out, there's no turnaround. So the sign is really just sort of like, best of luck. So the whole way we're starting to go up this road and I'm looking for a turnout. I'm thinking, surely if they put a sign like this, there's gotta be a turnout and I can make a turnaround. I'm totally willing to take another route, even if it means we don't get to go water skiing, but we'll we'll take another route. But we just keep going and we keep going and we keep going higher and higher and higher. And the kids are going, dad, look at the views. And I'm like, no. In fact, um, I knew some of you were gonna think I'm making this up and you're thinking Ebbets Pass is like any other pass. You know, I've driven twisty roads before. So I did a little Googling and I actually found there's a website called dangerousroads.com. And this is what they have to say about Ebbets Pass. Ebbets Pass is a high mountain pass at an elevation of 8,746 feet above sea level located in Alpine County, California. It is an idyllic drive for those who crave tight switchbacks and multiple alpine vistas. It's one of the least traveled passes in the Sierra Nevadas for a reason. The Eastern Slope, which is the slope that we were going up, the Eastern Slope is particularly difficult as many of the hairpin corners are blind and steepen suddenly at the apex. Do y'all know what a high center is? This is when, you know, you're trying to go around a turn and one road's like this and the other road's like this and you actually, the center of your vehicle hits the asphalt and you can't go any further? Yeah, so that's something you have to look out for. When it steepens suddenly at the apex, The pass is 61 miles long, very steep with grades up to 24%. If you've ever driven Tail of the Dragon, Troy and Brianna just did Tail of the Dragon last week. Lovely photos there on Facebook. Tail of the Dragon is 318 turns in 11 miles with a maximum grade of 12%. This is a 24% grade and features countless blind hairpin corners. 
It is rarely used by commercial traffic and is not suitable for trucks, buses, or RVs as it becomes very steep and narrow with no center dividing line and tight switchbacks. It winds in improbably sweet, steep switchbacks around large tree trunks and truck-sized boulders climbing the next ridge. Yeah, so that was our adventure. And the meanwhile, the kids are like, this is awesome. And I'm thinking, no, no lie, I had the accelerator all the way to the floor on this RV. And it was like, you know, making really loud sounds. And we were going like three, four miles an hour at times. I thought, we're, I don't know if we can keep making forward progress. And at some point it goes through my head, like if the engine can't keep me going uphill, can the brakes keep me from going downhill? And all I could picture was, you know, the headline of like, you know, father kills family in his seek for epic adventure across the United States. Um, but we made it, just so you guys know, we're here today. And this is the photo that we got. This, this was the vision, right? This is us in front of the Grand Canyon. This is, you know, our moment. And um, the vision kept us going because the whole way up the mountain, we're going, we're going to California. We're going to see the sunset. We're going to California. We're going to see the sunset. And it was the vision that kept us going. But one of the lessons that we learned on that trip is that accomplishing a vision requires sacrifice, that sometimes accomplishing a vision means we do hard things. Sometimes when we're going after a vision, it's not easy. And there are moments where we're gripping the wheel and we're thinking, I don't know if I can keep going forward and I don't know that I can avoid sliding backward. And so we're gonna continue, actually we're gonna wrap up this series today that we've been in for the last few weeks called Not Coming Down. And this is a series where we've been looking at the story of Nehemiah. And uh, if you have a chance to read it in your Bible, actually you should read Ezra and Nehemiah together. It's really, originally it was one book, Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's a great story of how uh, the nation of Israel, after being in captivity for many, many years, finally begin to come back to Israel around 445 BC, and they begin to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And this is a, it's a really important story because God had called Israel to be a light to the nations. And Israel had grown confident in themselves. They had ignored God. They'd begun to turn to the ways of the neighboring peoples and begun to offer sacrifices to the gods of the neighboring peoples. And at some point, God, after warning them and warning them and warning them, had allowed them to be taken off into captivity. And now finally, there's an opportunity for Jerusalem to be rebuilt for Israel to begin to come back together as a people and maybe reclaim the vision that God had for them that they would be a light to the nations. And this is so important for you and I because God has called us to be that light to the nations today. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice and our invitation to be part of the family of God, that mantle of being a light to the nations has been transferred from the nation of Israel to you and I. In fact, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's Jesus' vision for you. And you should know that that is God's vision for your life, that it's not just to be happy and healthy and raise kids that stay out of prison. I know some days that's just what we're shooting for, but that we would actually have lives that are a light 
that broadcasts hope, that are a beacon for his mercy and grace in this world. That is God's vision for you. It's so important to live life with a vision because I understand we get bogged down and we get, you know, just caught up in trying to get through the day, trying to get through the week. And we forget that really we have been designed, we have been created not just to get through the day, but to get through the day with purpose, with intention, with a direction, with a vision for our lives. In fact, I love this quote from Helen Keller. She says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but having no vision. And I don't want you to live your lives that way. I want you to live with a clear vision of what God has called you to and what is possible through your life. We just saw it in Sandy's video this morning that through our lives, through our stories, your story when told out loud, your story when shared with other people can be more powerful and more persuasive than any sermon anyone could ever preach. And I know that might sound odd to you because you're thinking, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a preacher. Guess what? God has put you specifically in the place he's put you, in the neighborhood he's put you, in the home he's put you, in the job that he's put you. He has put you there intentionally and on purpose so that you can be a light to the world. That's the vision that God has for you. But it's so easy it's so easy to get distracted. And in fact, Nehemiah was tempted with distraction. And this is what he said when he was tempted to be distracted. I sent messengers to them, meaning those that were trying to distract him. And he said, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. When you're faced with distractions, when you're faced with danger, when you're faced with discouragement, all these things that were true of the nation of Israel, time after time after time, they had to face discouragement and distractions and danger. When you're faced with all of that, I want you to be able to say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So this week, Moving into the holidays, there's a lot of great stuff going on. There's all kinds of opportunities for good things, but even those good things can be a distraction. As you're facing distractions and discouragement and danger, when you have fear welling up inside of you because you're gonna take your family off a cliff. No, this is the wrong story. So when you have this fear welling up inside of you because you think, I don't know that I can accomplish this vision. Maybe I should give up on it. Maybe I should turn back. I want you to say to yourself, I am doing a great work. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. So what is that great work? Like what's the vision that's gonna motivate us? What is the vision that's going to keep us from being discouraged? What is the vision that's gonna keep us from being distracted? What is the vision that's gonna keep us from being afraid? Well, last week I shared my vision for you. My vision for you as people who attend Access Church, my vision for you as your pastor. And I said last week, and I'll, I'll say it again, I, I don't, there's no, just because somebody puts a title in front of my name doesn't give me any authority in your life. You have to allow me to be your pastor. So please don't think that I'm like, I don't, I'm not assuming any, any control over you. I'm not telling you what you should do with your life. But if you'll allow me to be your pastor, this is my heart for you, that you would have 
big faith in a big God, that you would understand that God is good and he is great. And that every day you'd be willing to put just a little bit more faith, a little bit more trust in a God that is good and powerful. I, I would hope that you are in authentic community, that you, are, uh, that you are surrounding yourselves with other people who are also asking the question, what does it look like for me to follow Jesus in this culture and in this world and in this context today? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus at work and at home and in my neighborhood? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus as a parent or as a child or as a spouse or as a friend? What does it really look like for me to apply this? And people that are real with you and people with whom you can be honest and real. My hope for you is that you would be inspiring people to follow Jesus, that your life wouldn't be lived for you alone. We said last week that the, the end, the end of every great God-inspired vision is God. Like he is the point of the vision. That our lives, the very point of our lives is to make much of God. Why? Why would our lives exist for his glory? Because there is nothing greater in existence than the glory of God. That is why we wanna live for his glory. It's the greatest thing we could possibly live for. And so we wanna inspire people to follow Jesus. I want your life to inspire people to follow Jesus. Your love, your words, your actions. I would love for you to be surrendered in every way. That you would be willing to take your calendar and surrender it to God. Is your, is your calendar really putting God first? You've all heard the illustration with put the big rocks in first. Is, is God a big rock? Is leading your family to faith a big rock? Or is that something that you try to squeeze in afterward if the sports schedule allows it, if the work schedule allows it, if the social schedule allows it, if the vacation schedule allows it, then maybe we can sprinkle a little Jesus on there. Or is it a big rock that goes in first? We say our family priority is going to be, we are gonna be a family of worshipers. We're gonna be a family who surrendered our calendar. We're gonna be a family that has surrendered our checkbook. That's an odd thing to say. I can't remember the last time I wrote a check, but you know what I mean. We're gonna be a family that surrenders our finances. That, that the firsts belong to God. This is a, all through the Bible there's this common recurring, recurring theme that what comes first, we give back to God. The first of our crops, the first of our harvest, the first of our livestock that we give the first back to God. And what's interesting about that, by the way, is that when we give him our first, we don't even know if we're gonna get a second, a third or a fourth, but we give him our first first because he deserves our best. I, I would want for you to be surrendered in your worship that you would just fully, fully surrender to God. My, my prayer for you is that you would develop intimacy with God. I had a friend just recently say to me, I wish it hadn't taken me the first 50 years of my life to discover what intimacy with God felt like. And I get that. I think especially maybe for us guys, it's kind of a weird thing to think about like intimacy with God. But when you've experienced what it means to just truly surrender and to truly give up all that has you worried and all that you're holding on to 
And to give it to God with open hands, there's an intimacy with God where you say, I am living in such a way that I need God to show up. I need God to show up in my life. And there's an intimacy that comes for that that I want for you. My vision for us as a church is that there would be energy in this place on Sundays. Then the energy would come, not just because we've got a great band and great music, or I don't know, fantastic, good-looking people on our guest experience team, but that the vision would drive us. That when we're here on Sunday, we would say, this is a big deal because of the vision I have to be a light in this community. And that when we all come together and our lights shine together, that we will be an overpowering lighthouse of refuge and safety and redemption for our community. That when we take our individual surrender and we bring it together, that there's an energy because as we're inviting our friends into this community, there's an energy that comes from saying, maybe this is the week, maybe this is the week. And when we create these environments, we're not just creating them for ourselves, we're creating for people who feel far from God and we are welcoming them back into a relationship with him. Uh, We want guests to return and bring a friend. We want skeptics to feel welcomed. If you're someone who would say, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know what God thinks about me. We want this to be a place where you can come and you can surrender and you know that this is a safe place for you. In fact, our goal for you would be that you would say, you know, I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but I wanna go back anyway because they seemed like they really cared about me. We want this to be a place where parents feel equipped. Many of us, myself included, did not grow up with great role models in terms of what it looks like to really lead the next generation into a growing faith in God, into a big faith and a big God. And we wanna help you do that. And we wanna equip you with the tools to do that. We want this to be a place where it's easy to invite our neighbors because we know that it's gonna be excellent, We know it's gonna be fun. We know it's gonna be engaging. We know it's gonna be helpful. We know that um, nobody's gonna distract us with the things that don't really matter for eternity. We wanna be a church that majors on the majors and minors on the minors. We wanna be a church that is uh, full of people who like Sandy did today are going public with our faith. That we're willing to say to the world, to declare to the world that I'm following Jesus and I would love for you to walk alongside me as I try to discover what it looks like to be an authentic Jesus follower. I've said before, I don't know if we are ever going to be the best church in St. John's, but I absolutely wanna be the best church for St. John's. We want this community to know that we are for them. We want this community to feel like this place is better because Access Church is here that we're part of the community. And that happens when our light shines together, when we stay true to our vision. And so today we're gonna run back into this story of Nehemiah. And um, we've kind of jumped around a little bit. We started at the very beginning when Nehemiah gets this heart broken with this news that the city of Jerusalem was still broken and that there was no wall surrounding the city. And Nehemiah goes to his king Artaxerxes and he asked for permission to go and to begin the rebuilding of the wall. And then we kind of jump to the end of the story. And uh, we talked about how the nation of Israel, when it was all done, how they turned their attention to God. And they had a celebration where they didn't even mention the wall because it wasn't about the wall, it was about God. And it was about being a light to the nations. And so, In their worship, they give God 
all the glory. The end of every God-inspired vision is God. And so today I kind of want to jump back to the middle of the story a little bit because you may have wondered, okay, so Nehemiah had this vision, but then he shows up and he's got to inspire other people to join him in this vision. He can't rebuild the wall by himself. And they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. So they must've been pretty focused and they must've really jumped in. What did that look like when Nehemiah first called them to rebuild the wall? And it looks like this from Nehemiah chapter two. Nehemiah chapter two, he shows up and after he'd been in town for a few days and he would go out at night and he would ride his horse around at night and inspect the wall. And he, he, he had a good handle on what was required. He came to the people and he said, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Now, this is really important. He's letting people in on what God has already been doing in his life and the ways in which God has moved supernaturally in the heart of a king to make it possible for him to even be there to rebuild the wall. And the people replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Now, many of us, if we were to be part of that meeting, we were to say, let us start rebuilding. The first thing we would do is we would say, yes, let us start rebuilding. I'm going to give you the name of a guy. I've got a guy. He's amazing with stonework. I mean, he can do masonry like nobody's business. Let me give you my guy and you call him and um, we're going to get this thing done. I mean, we were absolutely going to get this thing done, but that's not what the people of Israel do at all. I'm going to show you a few examples here. We're going to jump through chapter three. Chapter three, you can read the whole thing. But chapter three actually goes through and details all the different people and all the different families and all the different groups and what they did to work on the wall and where specifically they did work on the wall so that this was cataloged for history so that the nation of Israel could remember, these are the people who sacrifice. These are the people who sacrifice for the vision. These are the people who work hard, who gave up something else so that they could complete this vision. And it starts like this. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep, the sheep gate. <laughs> you know how good us pastors are at manual labor. I mean, we are fantastic at this kind of work, you know? Um, maybe some of us are. Most of us uh, are more comfortable reading books all day than we are actually like cutting things and sawing things and building things that are meant to last for generations and generations. But yet the priests are the first ones to jump in and to start with the work. They dedicated it and they set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. So specifically between this tower and this tower, this is the work that some of the priests jumped in and did. All right, this next verse. Uziel, son of Harhariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. So the goldsmiths are the people that worked with metals. That's probably not hard to figure out. They were the jewelers of the day. And then the perfume makers, they actually, it was probably a little bit broader than perfume. They probably did all kinds of things that worked with aromatics and herbs and um, maybe even healing ointments and that kind of thing. But again, these are not people who are skilled in masonry. These are not people who are skilled in carpentry. They have no business 
rebuilding the wall, but they had a vision for what could happen if they all came together and they all worked toward this goal. So they made repairs next to that. Next to them, the repairs were made by the Levites. The Levites were the people that were set aside to work in the temple. The Levites did everything to help and assist the priests in making sure that the temple ran smoothly. Again, not people who were experienced with manual labor, but the Levites under Rehum, the son of Benai, beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilai, carried out repairs for its district. And above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. And next to him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner. I love the specificity of this. The Bible is not just fairy tales. It's very specific. And you can go back, by the way, you can go back today and you can go back and mark these different places that would have been the wall around Jerusalem in this day. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. I just think this is awesome. And it's a great lesson for us today that sometimes we think, oh, I know there's a need but I'm not sure I'm the right person to fill that need. The people of Israel were like, there's a need and the vision is great. I'm going to step up and I'm going to help fulfill the need. I'm going to help complete the vision. It's going to require hard work. It's going to require hard things, but the hard things and the hard work are worth it because there is a vision. You see, if we, if we go through action without vision, which is so easy for us to do, it's tiresome. And if you've ever been in a role at work or at church or at home, and you found yourself tired, I would challenge you. I would say, you maybe, you're not maybe out of energy, you're out of vision. You need to remember that there's a vision. There is a reason that you're doing this. And sometimes the stuff that we do just around the house, for example, just to keep the train on the tracks, it's exhausting, right? But we step back and we need to remind ourselves, and this is why I think it's so important for you to do this exercise of encourage you to sit down and write down the date, December 31st, 2026, three years from now, what do I want our family to look like? What do I want my relationships to look like? What do I want my career to look like? Like have a vision, know what you're moving toward so that when you're going through the motions every day, you can remind yourself, this isn't wasted energy. I'm not gonna run out of energy. I am going to refuel myself with vision. So if you do action without vision, it's tiresome. I get it. And the other problem is if you do vision, if you have vision without action, it's just a daydream. And then we can vision, we can vision, we can vision. But if we don't work toward the vision, if we don't move toward the vision, we don't have a vision, we have a daydream. I'm, and I'm not picking on anybody because a couple of you are in the room and you know, you've said this to me and I get your heart and I'm not picking on your heart. But a couple of you said something to me like every time the lottery gets over a billion dollars, one of you will say something like, I bought some tickets to the lottery. Access Church is gonna have some money if I win the lottery. Now, I get it and I appreciate it. But 
if we're all waiting for the lottery, Access Church is never gonna get the land and the building that we all want Access Church to get. It requires that we have vision that we put into action and that that action moves us and motivates us along the way, right? If we, if we have a vision, but we don't put action to it, it's just a daydream. Steve Jobs has said this. He's got so many great quotes on vision, but Steve Jobs said, um, if you're working on something exciting that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. The vision pulls you. And my hope today is that our vision for our church will pull you, that you will feel motivated and you will feel compelled by this vision that we have for our church. Again, not to be the best church in St. John's or the biggest church in St. John's, but we wanna be the best church for St. John's. We wanna be the best church for people who've maybe given up on every other kind of church. We wanna be the best church for people who would say, I don't even understand how church is relevant to me. When we first moved here, we moved into a neighborhood that had a golf course. And uh, I remember driving past the golf course with my son who was eight years old at the time. And he saw the parking lot was full. And he said, dad, what's that? And I said, well, that's the parking lot for the golf course. And he was like, we should go there. I mean, there's a bunch of people there. And I said, no, son, it's not for us. We don't play golf. We're not golfers. <laughs> We've tried <laughs> and we are not them. So that's not for us. Now, my biggest concern, my biggest fear is that someone would drive past Liberty Pines on a Sunday morning and they would see all the cars in the parking lot and a kid would say to their parent, hey, mom, what's that? And they would say, well, that's a church. Some people do that on Sunday mornings. And the kids would say, we should go to church. And mom or dad might say, no, it's not for us. We tried that. It's not for people like us. That is my biggest concern. That church would seem like it's not for everyone. And if church isn't for everyone, then God is not for everyone. And we believe that God is for this community. And so we are for this community. We are for St. John's because God is for St. John's because he's for you and he's for the people that you love. And so we want this gathering of people to be a lighthouse, to be an outpost, to be a light to the world, to say, God loves you. He is not angry with you. He is not frustrated with you. He is for you. But that vision requires that we're willing to do some hard things. And so I'm going to ask our um, production team to help me for a moment here. We're going to pass out some cards. And um, these are just cards for you to reflect on for a minute. These are not cards for you to turn back in. I know sometimes we do cards like this and we ask you to turn them in. I actually do not want you to turn these cards in today because I want you to be honest and I want you to be completely truthful and I want you to really evaluate what you might be doing or willing to do in terms of hard work to move the vision forward. And here are the actions that I want you to consider today. Hard work. First of all, to pray for our leadership. 
our staff and our elders are making decisions right now. We're, we're making decisions about what's the best way for us to move into the next phase of the organization. If we're gonna take on a facility or we're gonna take on land in the building, quite honestly, like we can't do it just on our own as an organization. What does it look like for us to partner with another organization? What does it look like for us to um, perhaps, I've, I've mentioned this before, that we might uh, do a preschool or some other kind of function like that where we can say, what can we do that will not only help us to fund a facility, but also will give us an opportunity to extend our vision that we have for young families that we could be a beacon of hope and a beacon of light to young families, not just on Sunday, but all through the week. What would that look like for us? We're, we're making decisions and we need you to be praying for wisdom for our leadership. I would love for you to be willing to commit to pray for our leadership. I would love for you to be willing to invite your friends and neighbors. We've, we have all kinds of ways to let people know about the opportunities for their family to engage in environments here at Access Church, but nothing is more powerful than a personal invitation. To be willing to share with someone what God's been doing in your life and to invite them to just be open to exploring what God might do in their life. And maybe there's someone specific that you would write down that you would say, okay, there's somebody, and I, I'm not just going to invite them to come to church because I'm trying to make them more like me. <laughs> that is not compelling but I'm gonna begin by praying for them. And then I'm going to intentionally make investments in their life. And when the time is right and the need is obvious, then I can invite them to join me and just say, come sit with me. Come sit with me. I'm, I'm trying to learn from Jesus. And I would just love for you to come and sit with me, not so that you can be more like me, but so that you can be more like Jesus. I would love for you to be willing to give a priority percentage of your income, to give back first out of everything that God has given to you, to look carefully at what your family has given in the past and to even consider what would it look like if we did more? What would it look like if we gave more? Because honestly, since COVID, it's been a different landscape. And since COVID, it's been difficult for us to make budget. And we need your help, not just to make budget to create the environments on Sunday morning, but because we have a bigger vision to do so much more than what we're even doing now. We have a bigger vision for facility. We have a bigger vision for staff. We have a bigger vision for environments. We have a bigger vision for reaching families all week long with the hope and the light that can change lives. And I'd love you to consider serving on a team to be willing to give your time and to give your energy. It's not much. Once a month, twice a month, three times a month to jump in and to help lead other people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you, you are here today. You are the result of someone's vision. Do you know that? There was a group of people, a very small group of people that began to meet and to pray 17 years ago. And their prayer was not that Jacksonville needed another church, but that Jacksonville needed environments where people could explore taking the next step in their relationship with God, regardless of where they were currently, that they could take another step. And you're here today because that group of people prayed 
and they invited and they sacrificed financially and they served. And we have stories from those days. So many stories. We, uh, we, we used to have everything that we needed for a Sunday morning at UNF kept in Atlantic self-storage. And we would make two trips with a truck and a trailer and our road crew, by the way, road crew arrival time uh, today is 7.55 a.m. Back in the day, it was a four o'clock call time, four o'clock a.m. for road crew. And we would make one trip to the storage unit. We'd roll everything out onto the trailer. We'd take it over to UNF. We'd set it all up. And then we'd go back to the storage unit for the second trip. And on one of these Sundays, as the whole road crew is inside Atlantic self-storage and loading up the trailer, the power goes out. And so they're completely dark in the storage unit. They're having to use their flashlights to load everything into the trailer. But that wasn't really the big problem. The big problem is that the gate to get in and out of Atlantic self-storage is electric. And so here's our crew with all of our gear and we were supposed to have church. <laughs> so they left a note to the Atlantic self-storage staff and they said, we are so sorry that we had to disassemble your gate, <laughs> but we had to have church this morning. We'll come back and fix it later. <laughs> Listen, when we do hard things, it marks us. When we do hard things, it's difficult. But you know what I've finally discovered after so many family vacations gone awry? It's the hard things that make the best stories later on. It's the hard things that we remember. It's the hard things that shape us and mark us and build character in us. It's the hard things that help us to become more like Jesus. And when we accomplish a vision together, doing hard things, it changes us. And so there's a question in front of you today. Are you gonna wear yourself out doing action without vision? Are you gonna daydream about a vision with no action? Or are you gonna live your life in such a way that you will inspire people to follow Jesus? Join us in this, if you will. Pray for our leadership. Invite your friends. Give a priority percentage. Serve on a team. And if you're not ready to do all of these things, which by the way, our staff, our leadership, our elders, we go first. We do all of these things. That's a requirement for being on staff. It's a requirement for being an elder. We are not asking you to do anything that we're not already doing. But if you're not ready to do all four of these things, pick one, pick two, but join us in doing hard things. And when you feel discouraged or distracted or afraid, say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Because let me tell you this, the vision is not just for our church. It's not just for what happens in the next three years in St. John's County. The vision is that someday you and I will stand before Jesus who gave everything, who sacrificed everything, who did the hardest thing imaginable for us. And we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's our vision. Let's pray. God, thank you so much 
Thank you so much for your goodness and your love and your mercy. Thank you that you were willing to do something hard to come toward us. The hardest thing imaginable that you were willing to give everything for us. And God, I pray that we would have a vision for leading other people to you, for inspiring other people to follow you. Help us to live that out in such a way that it changes people's lives and that it changes our city. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.